Happy New Year to everybody and Happy New Year to folks at home. This year is an incredible year so far. Yesterday was the coldest day of this year and today is probably going to be the hottest day of this year so far. Psalm 100, wanting to give thanks to God. <clears throat> In fact, that's what it's entitled, um, a psalm, for giving grateful praise or thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness or his truth continues through all generations. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the beginning of this, a new year for us, we are able to gather together, even amidst COVID, and to worship you, to honour you, and to give thanks to you. Lord, you have been a good God to us, and you continue to be a generous and gracious Heavenly Father. We pray that you would teach us this morning, that you would remind us of truth, and that you would even open our eyes to new truth that we might embrace, that we might serve you all the days of this year or of the life that you give us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I've called this, I can't see that, here we go. How should we respond to God? That's the psalm. That's my heading for this psalm. Uh, different people respond to God in all different sorts of ways. Some people ignore God. They're not sure that he's there. They live there, certainly live their life as if he wasn't there. They just, God's not part of their life. They don't seem to have time for God. Some people abhor God. They don't like him. They're actually not just atheists, though some of them would be, that they don't believe God exists, but there are some people who think God does exist, but they don't like him. In fact, and even the people who ignore God will often be asking the question, uh, if there is a God, then why does he do this? Or if there is a God, why does he allow that? They often come back to that sort of position. Um, but the people who abhor God, they might even get up and leave the room when you start talking about God, or they might say something quite derogatory about him. But then, of course, there are people who adore God, like us, like many of us and I hope all of us, where we know him, we like him, in fact, we love him, that our hearts are warmed by his truth and his reality, and we rely upon him. Of course, there are people who say that they adore God, that they love God, and that they go through the motions of serving God. They could be religious, they could attend services, but they don't do anything else with God in their life. It's God is in their life on Sundays, and it's not all Sunday, it's just when the service is on, and then as soon as they leave the service, God is disconnected from the rest of their life. They are the sorts of um, people who have this attitude. This is a definition of a Christian. A Christian is somebody who on Sunday says sorry for what they did on Saturday, but they'll probably end up doing it again on Monday. They're not really serious about their relationship with God. Well, I hope this morning and this year will find you very serious about God. In Psalm 100, and I'll come to that in a moment. That leaves us the question, well then how should we respond to God? What does he require of us? And this psalm gives us four responses that I want to share with you. Um, 
Just for those of you who are into this sort of thing, you like to study your Bible and you like to know statistics about it, there are seven commands in Psalm 100, and I've spoken about those before, so I'm not doing that this morning. The central imperative, the central command is in the beginning of verse 3, know. Know that the Lord is God. It's something for us to be aware of and something to acknowledge. And it doesn't come out in English, but in the original text, in verse 2 it says, come before him, and in verse 4 it says, enter his gates. In Hebrew it's exactly the same word. So the central imperative, know him, is surrounded by the invitation to come to him, come, enter, acknowledge him. And in fact, Psalm 100 is the climaxing psalm of Psalms 93 all the way to 100. If you read through all of those psalms, you'll see that there is a consistent theme that God is the divine majesty who reigns and rules on the high. And that he's not just for Israel, but he's for the whole earth. And so Psalm 100 climaxes with a note of praise of God's sovereignty. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Not just Israel, every nation. In fact, one commentator says this is a millennial psalm that this is what will be happening in the millennium. And there is certainly an invitation to come to Jerusalem, to come to the temple, to enter his gates, to enter his courts with thanks and with praise and so on, all of the earth. Well, this morning I wanted to simplify it because I thought time would be short. Thank you for sharing, those of you who did, and I'm sure those who didn't share publicly still have grateful hearts, and I would encourage you to continue to process that to give thanks to God for what he has done. That's exactly what this psalm teaches us. There are four truths for us to know, to worship, serve, to love, and to thank. And I'm cheating a little bit. You'll see it as we go through. Here is the first response that this psalm calls us to. It's in verses 1 and 2. Worship God joyfully. Verses 1 and 2 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all of the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Worship the Lord, worship God joyfully. That's what he deserves. This is the psalm which was used by the pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem, as they approached the temple, as they went to give a thank offering. They would be singing and reciting. It's still used in the synagogues. It's still sung in churches. Many of you, as I look around the room, will know some hymns that were written about this. And the better one, in my opinion, is the old 100th, what they call the old 100th. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Know that one? No, not talking to the converted. Um, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. All of us are invited to worship God joyfully. It's this shout of joy for the Lord. We're not tend to be a people who shout Though there are situations in life where we do shout, where we do get excited. And for us, for most of us, it's either going to be a family event or it's going to be a sporting event where people are not unashamed or inhibited to shout out. Whether you're at a tennis match or whether you are on a golf course or whether you're whatever, at any sporting event, whatever. The worship of God is to be lively, we are to engage and connect with it, and it's to be joyful and to be loud. I thought about this, and I often reflect on worship, and an experience I had when I was a very new, young pastor, and I had, one, I had several families in this church that we were part of. My 
first church that I pastored when I had graduated from theological college. It's in Sydney. And um, there were about half a dozen families in this church. There were a couple hundred people in the church, I guess. About half a dozen of the families would come to service half an hour late. They would always miss the first half. So when I spoke to them about it, their attitude was, their theology was, their belief was, for them, worship was, the ideal worship service was open in prayer, read the Bible, preach, close in prayer, go home. No singing. They weren't into the worship of God in song, but this psalm is, worship the Lord with joyful songs. Singing is part of being a member of the people of God. In fact, it's the Christian church that sings joyfully. Other religions might chant, and they may very well sing, but they won't sing like Christians because we have everything to rejoice in and to give thanks for. Worship the Lord joyfully. So that caused me to reflect. I'm one of those people that God did not give me a great singing voice. I am not a good singer. And sometimes I get lazy And sometimes I would rather just listen to people singing, those who have nice voices and who can sing. And that can move me, as I'm sure that can for most of us. But I have to confess, like I said, that's inappropriate. I'm being lazy. God calls me to sing. And as one camp person said, one camp director, if God gave you a good voice, use it to praise him. If God gave you a bad voice, give it back to him. (laughs) in song. So I'm committed now to singing. If you stand near me, I'll put you off. I've told you before, year six, Narendra Primary School, my senior year in primary school, I don't know what possessed the person, the teacher to do it, but suddenly all of the boys had to join the choir. Wasn't volunteer, we all had to go to the room at lunchtime and he stood us up and he had us singing. Right at the beginning, you could see this expression on his face. There's somebody here who's not in tune. Somebody here is not... And he just walked around the room. And when he got near me, he stood right there and he listened. You know what he said? You can leave now. (laughs) Occasionally I am on tune. Occasionally I'm on note. Pastor Charlie's got a good voice. Pastor Alvin's got a good voice. I don't have a good voice. But here's my challenge to you. If you're near me, and I should go and sit in different spots, shouldn't I? (laughs) Here is the challenge. If you can hear me, well, then you drown me out. Raise your voice above mine. That's the first commandment, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all that we have. That's what this psalm is saying. Worship the Lord with gladness. Well, some people say, I don't have a good voice. Some people would say, well, I don't feel like it. No, we don't always feel like it. We all have bad weeks, bad days, bad mornings, bad whatevers. We can have an argument in the car and you get to church and you don't feel joyful and you're certainly not thankful. You feel cranky. But this psalm is not asking you to do it because you feel like it. This psalm is commanding us to worship him with joyful song. It's a command. It's an imperative. What if you don't feel like it? Well, you don't feel like getting up to go to work on a Monday morning either, do you? But you do. Why? Because you know you should. It's your duty. So too when it comes to worship. And it's no less real when we do it, even out of a sense of duty. Because what I find is that feelings follow obedience. My feelings follow my mind. Sociologists call this, as I've told you on numerous occasions, praxis. 
I don't feel like helping. I don't feel like doing this. But in the process of doing it, you'll find your feelings will catch up with you and you will enjoy the process of doing it. Feelings don't lead us. Feelings follow what we think and what we choose to do. So don't be captured by your feelings and don't use I don't feel like it as an excuse. And then third excuse I could come up with or think of, third objection to obeying this command is, but I'm not an emotional person. This is just not me. I don't, I'm publicly inhibited, dysfunctional almost, when it comes to expressing emotions. Well, not in all circumstances, I'm not. This is me being very excited. This is me being depressed. And I could be exaggerating. That's me excited. That's me depressed. There's not a lot of emotional up and down. On different circumstances, different situations, that's what happens for me, personally. Maybe you're like me, that you're not an emotional person. Uh, but this is not saying to us that we have to be enthusiastic and we have to be all excited and we have to raise our hands and we have to clap our hands. And we... There is a command to shout for joy to the Lord. I wonder what the word is that they shout. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. You ever been at a sporting event when that happens? And you respond, that you get caught up in it? That's the idea of getting caught up in the joy and the the energy of those around you who are excited about God. This is the shout for when the king comes into the camp and the people shout, a shout of victory, a shout of joy. We are coming into God's presence as we gather together and the psalmist is challenging us particularly in this Middle Eastern culture, to do exactly that. God doesn't want secret admirers. He wants to be praised. He wants to be thanked. He wants to be told publicly, out loud. So, first point, worship the Lord joyfully. Let's move on. Now, notice what verses I'm going to use. Serve God gladly. Serve God gladly. Notice the verses. It's the same verses, verses 1 and 2. But it's a different version. This is the Christian Standard Bible. Notice how they translate it. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. It's the same verse translated two ways into English for us. One is worship and one is serve. That's because the words go like this. They are two sides of the one reality. That when we worship God and do so in this context... Then when we go out into the work, the world outside and we walk with him and we live for him and we obey him, then that is serving him, that's also worship. Biblically, these words are interchangeable. It's what Jesus says to Satan when Satan says, bow down and worship me. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Worship and service go together. That's where for some people, when they come to church and they go through a worship time, that's the end of it, that's inadequate. That's why it's called worship service. We are serving God by doing this together, but we continue to serve God outside the, the, uh, the realms of this room, outside the walls of this building. There are biblical examples of people who serve God, but not with gladness. You might know some people. You might have been one. 
where serving God became a drudgery, it became an effort, became a burden, not a joy. This psalmist is calling us, and God is calling us, certainly here, but also through Scripture, to serve him with gladness. You know the story of Mary and Martha? And Martha's in the kitchen serving. She's not serving with gladness. She's grumpy, and she's moaning, and she complains to Jesus about it. Tell her sister off. Tell her to get out here and help me. She wasn't happy. And then the prophet Jonah, when God came to him and challenged him, he said, didn't he? Yes, Lord, I'll gladly go to Nineveh. Not. Ran away. God chased him. God pursued him. He did eventually go and serve God. He was obedient, but under duress, out of duty, and only because he was dumped there. He didn't serve God with gladness. The psalmist is calling us, serve the Lord with gladness. Let's do so, with joy, because we want to, not with sadness, not with reluctance, not with moaning. Back in the Middle Ages, all of clergy, all of the very right reverends, had to wear black cloaks and we were not to smile I read about this I didn't I wasn't living back then because it was serious business we were not to smile dressed in black it's the opposite isn't it of what I read in scripture that God wants us to enjoy life and to joy him to love him and let that show in us and through us you don't have to be sad to be sanctified you don't have to be gloomy to be godly God wants whatever we do for him to do it with gladness. 2 Corinthians 9.8, he loves a cheerful giver. Interesting. God also loves it for us when we are a cheerful liver. Not liver as in part of your body, but liver as in the way you live it out. Because you are a walking advertisement of God being real in your life. The scripture says the joy of the Lord is our... What? Strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So serve the Lord with gladness. Worship God joyfully and serve the Lord with gladness. They go together. Let's move on. Love God intelligently. Worship God joyfully. Serve God gladly. Love God intelligently. This is verse 3. This is know that the Lord is God. Something for you to know. God wants you to use your mind, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. God wants us to think, ask questions, to learn, to query, to learn and to memorise, as well as to teach and to pass on. We are to know that he is God, that he is the one and only God. That's something for us to be aware of, something for us to recognise, something for us to proclaim, something for us to acknowledge. He is God, we're not. He is God and no one else is. God is triune, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and all other claimants to deity are false claims and God is knowable. Know that the Lord is God but only because he has chosen to reveal himself. He's the creator. He is the one who made us and therefore we belong to him. He owns us. He made all things. Nothing exists without him and he made us. Consider the marvels of the human body. God made the first one, Adam, from dirt and he made the second one from the first one, from Adam. And now all of us have been descendants of those two being combined together, male and female. All of us are born of a woman 
with one exception, the Lord Jesus. He was born of a woman, but not of a human father. Marvel at the human brain, which has 100 billion cells, all performing complex activities. God made it. Marvel at the human skin. Thousands of sweat glands to help us regulate our body temperature. Marvel at the human heart, this marvellous pump that pumps blood through our arteries and veins through thousands of kilometres every day. We are not human accidents, we are divinely created incidents. He created you. He knows you and he wants you to know him, to know his lordship, to know his ownership. And we are his people, we are the sheep of his pasture. He has, whoops, he has pursued us, saved us, redeemed us. He's come in search of us as the good shepherd and he's now made us part of his flock. A little later at the end of our service, we're having communion. In John 10, 11, the Lord Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Our good shepherd has come for us and now he leads us. We hear his voice and we follow him. Do, are you in a good place right now? Are you prospering? Are you in good health? Give him thanks. Are you struggling with issues or whatever in your life? Do you have sorrow or sadness because of some circumstances of your life? Trust him. He's a God who is good, who loves you, who cares for you. And he wants you to know him and to rely on him. Thank God consistently. The psalmist calls us. This is certainly a strong theme. Come on in to the worship service, but come with a thankful heart. Once there was a little boy who was in church with his parents <clears throat> and halfway through the service, the little fella turned to his dad and he said, Dad, I know mum wants to be home cooking the meal, lunch. I know you'd rather be on the golf course and I certainly would rather be out playing football with my friends. So why are we here? It's a good question, isn't it? Why are we here? Why are you here? Well, I suggest to you from this psalm for those four reasons to participate in joyful worship, to serve God gladly, to learn, to engage our minds and to learn of him and from him, and to say thank you, as you've had opportunity this morning. You may not feel like doing any of those things, but we're all called to do all of those things. Why? Because he is good. Here are three motivations. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. God is good. He's always good. He's good to everyone. Sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Makes his sun shine upon everybody. He's good in his plans. He's good in his providences. He is good in his sovereignty. He's good. And he's been good to us. He is merciful. It's everlasting. And he is honest. He is true. He is faithful. What he says, he does consistently. That's why we should worship him, serve him, love him, and thank him. Like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks to God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything. So, 2022, four things at least for us to do. If you're considering making some New Year's resolutions or setting some goals, think about these four. Relying fully upon God, worship him joyfully, serve God gladly, love God intelligently and thank him consistently. Let's pray.
Lord, you are wonderful and worthy of our deepest affections and our joyful praise. You deserve to be obeyed and served gladly. Help us to do so, Lord. Help us to know you more and more and to love you with our whole being and to continue to grow in your grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, help us to thank you daily, consistently, repeatedly, because you are good. Your mercy is unending. And your truth and faithfulness endures to each generation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.